Hello, and welcome again to another episode of Five Playing Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to indigenous artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bears, people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of the Indigenous Art Programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our indigenous communities from around the region of the country. I want to introduce you to Brandon Beatty. Brandon Beatty is the Interim Executive Director of the Indigenous Association in Fargo, North Dakota. He's originally from the Twin Cities and moved to the area in 2018. He's a descendant of the White Earth Nation, where his father and grandmother grew up. Brandon received his undergraduate degree in social work from the College of St. Scholastica. He is deeply committed to community organizing, arts, music, and learning more about his Anishinaabe culture and language, and providing opportunities for other Indigenous community members to learn or teach about their culture. He was a founding board member of the Indigenous Association and has worked towards its organizational goals of uniting, connecting, and strengthening the Indigenous community in the Fargo-Moorhead region since the inception in 2020. Brendan is one of the the people that I work with on a daily basis here in the Fargo-Moorhead area. And doing a podcast about people doing great things in our communities without having Brendan on this podcast feels incomplete given that he is here daily doing so much work. And so I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. So with that said, let's jump into this conversation with Brandon Beatty. Brandon Beatty, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. It's going to be winter soon and uh, getting ready for that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Winter in Fargo is, is, uh, is an experience in itself, a long experience. Yes. You know? It's, it's not like it's just a couple months. It's, it's half a year. So well, we've been pretty lucky as far as like dealing with, uh, mild weather at the moment. So, but yeah, you know, when I, when I first moved out here, like I, I was like, oh, I'm from Minneapolis and you'll get that in the next question. But, um, but the the hardest thing was the wind out here because it just it gets so windy and that wind just goes right through you and it's it's cold it's colder than Minneapolis yeah straight line winds from Montana that's where we get them from well if you could uh, introduce yourself tell us a little bit about yourself your backgrounds uh, where you're from and what it is that you do look at me anticipating your questions it's like I I know what you're gonna say So I'm I am Brandon Beatty. Um, I grew up in Brooklyn Park, Brooklyn Center area, uh, and that's a suburb of Minneapolis. Uh, I grew up with my mom uh, and my dad until I was like 12. But uh, I had a lot of really good experiences down there, and I've I've kind of shifted and moved further north as I've gotten older, um, further northwest. And so if this you know if this continues, maybe I'll be in Alaska by the time I'm 70. I don't know. Um, <laughs> So I moved to the Fargo-Moorhead area about five years ago um, because my wife was getting a job. Uh, and so we just came out here and we were like, well, you know, like, let's see if this is a good place to be. And uh, we were there for like, we were here for like two weeks. And I looked at her and she started her new, her new job. She met the people she was going to be working with. Uh, and I looked at her, I was like, this is home, isn't it? And she said, yeah, this is home. Um, so I, I was watching my kid. Uh, at that time, I was kind of doing full-time daddy daycare thing, um, 
and I, I started looking for a job. And so then we just got started getting planted and uh, we've been here ever since. And this is a really good community to be in uh, the Fargo Moorhead area. There's a lot to do. Um, there's a lot of great people and I'm just really excited to be there, uh, be here, I guess is where we are. Uh, and yeah, so I, I've, I've worked a couple different places while I've been here. Um, just been enjoying getting to know people and yeah. And, oh, and like one more thing about me is I'm, I'm a descendant from white earth. My dad and my grandma grew up in white earth. Uh, and I have some connections up there. Uh, I didn't have a lot of connections up there when I was growing up, but, uh, as I've gotten older, I've really connected with some people out there and, and got involved in a few things. So, uh, I proudly claim my descendancy from white earth. Uh, and it's kind of the backbone of like that, that culture and that heritage and that history is kind of the backbone of what I'm doing these days. Uh, so I take a lot of, a lot of, uh, pride in that. And can you talk about, um, a little bit about what you are doing these days and how we've made this connection here? Yeah. So right now I am the interim exec, uh, interim executive director of the indigenous association in Fargo. Um, our goal is to unite, connect and strengthen the indigenous community in the Fargo Moorhead area. Uh, Essentially, we do a lot of the, the the things that a Native American center would do in a community. Uh, we're very focused on like doing workshops, activities, groups, events, uh, hosting different organizations that have similar or do things with the indigenous community um, that aren't necessarily indigenous organizations, but they they uh, interact with our community a lot. Uh, I see it a lot as community organizing and just trying to make a space that's safe and um, and just feels comfortable for people in our community and the indigenous community uh, to just grow and learn and and just be together. Hmm. So along the way, um, we were influenced in our lives by different people and different things. And early on, we're influenced uh, by certain things as opposed to um, as we move through our careers. Uh, can you talk about your biggest influences and what's and who are, is influencing you today? I think growing up, one of the biggest influences um, were probably the women in my life, honestly. My mom, my grandmas, uh, they're always very, very kind and very, very loving um, and cared deeply about the people around them. I remember uh, my grandma who lived in Seattle at the time. She was in one of those scooters, you know, uh, you know, tooling around. She can get on the bus and she can get downtown. She can do all those things. And so when we were out there and I was probably about 10, we were downtown Seattle. And there's a pretty big homeless population downtown Seattle. Um, and it's something that was struck me when I was a kid. You know, I was like, wow, there's a, you know, a lot of people that don't have housing here. That's crazy. Like, those weren't the words I said, you know. I don't know what I said at that time. But one thing that really struck me is we were in McDonald's uh, downtown Seattle and she uh, there's a, a homeless man that came in and grabbed food out of the garbage can and went into the bathroom and you could hear him coughing. You could hear him just like like choking down this burger or whatever he picked out of the garbage can. And my grandma had uh, uh, like she bought she got like a two cheeseburger meal or something and she ate one of hers and she saw the man leave and as she like as he left like she just got in she was already in her scooter she's like turned her scooter on revved it up no she didn't rev it up but you know she was just like ready to go and then she she followed him out and she had the hamburger in her hand and she followed him with that hamburger and said hey you know i didn't see the interaction but like she gave him that hamburger it's those small like little stories and those things that you see in people's lives that just 
have such a profound impact that you couldn't even really like like expect or like if I wanted to show like my kids I have three kids like if I wanted to show them how to be a good person like those are the things that I would need to do not necessarily tell them like you should be a good person and you should respect people that are houseless and you know all these things like it's through those actions uh, and my mom um, also like I think she's that was her mom so um, that's my non-indigenous side like that's my, my white side of the family um, but my mom was one of those people who's always like she feels so deeply and she cares so much she's like one of those people that like like she'll let you know that she cares about you she'll let you know that she loves you she'll let you know that she's proud of you uh and she'll she'll like be your biggest cheerleader uh and just a person that you can really like go to and and get support and encouragement from and so i feel like like those those are like my main influences as i was growing up is like like those strong women who are like very, very caring, very, very willing to like uh, work hard and also love hard. As I've gotten older, um, you know, in my my early 20s, um, I actually didn't end up graduating high school. I ended up getting my GED. Uh, and I had some mentors in my life. Again, another strong woman, like apparently strong women in my life or <laughs> something I need around me. Um, I think everyone needs that around them. But uh, I had a mentor that helped me get through getting my GED and eventually going to college, um, which was huge. But during that time, like, like one of my biggest influences was like reading and taking in information. Um, not having my my high school diploma kind of put me in this position where I felt like I didn't know what I needed to know to like get on in the world, um, which I realize now is kind of not true. Like we get what we need and we'll figure out what we need to, but. Uh, so I had this like incredible thirst for knowledge. And so in my early 20s, it was my mentor and like all these, you know, figures in literature that taught me all kinds of different things and influenced who I am and what I think about things. So like I was going through like the the um, the Thoreau's and the Kierkegaard's and the, um, you know, just like reading all the things that I was like, oh, I should know this. This is like the base foundation of Western civilization or something. Um, but it was really insightful and um and I, I wouldn't say like any of those those folks were my my major influence in how I, I live my life, but they definitely gave me a new perspective on different things and really gave me a chance to um, understand things from a different perspective and utilize that perspective in my daily life. Like when I read, read Walden for the first time, I was like, oh yeah, like, you know, being in a cabin by myself in the woods and reflecting, like that sounds really cool. Like that's, you know, um, it's not like I, I decided to just get up and do that one day, but um, just having that ability to to understand the narrative that he was putting out uh, about that experience was really important for me. And I would say now my biggest influences are probably uh, the people around me. Like, honestly, like I... I love meeting new people. I love meeting people that do different things and know about different things. Um, most of the time when I meet someone who is like a, a PhD, right, that's a really high level of educational attainment. I always ask them, like, what was your PhD in? Like, what was your thesis in? Because I want to like, if someone knows something like so deeply about a subject, like I want to know like, hey, what's the biggest and most important thing about that subject that you could tell me about? Uh, I, I tend to not know very deeply about things, but I tend to know a little bit about a lot of different things. Uh, and I, I feel like like the people around me help shape that and help, you know, drive what I 
learn and I think it's helped me a lot in my life to just be open to those experiences and utilize those experiences and also have people and build relationships with people that have deep expertise in things so I can draw on them if I need to. Hmm. So you, you mentioned um, <clears throat> that, uh, you know, you, you achieved your, your GED and then later went to college. Um, how have you developed your career, uh, both uh, during college and post-college? I think probably the biggest way that I've developed, it wasn't like a five-year plan or a 10-year plan. I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this. And um, and then eventually I'll be the interim executive director of the Indigenous Association. <laughs> um, it was It was more of a like, where are my passions and like, Where's my, my like soul bringing me to? Like, what's lighting me up? What's most important to me? And but while I was in college, I ended up getting involved with like homeless youth work. And through that work, like I met a ton of people. Um, I had a chance to do some street outreach out in Minneapolis um, in the surrounding suburbs, which was great. It was fun. I'm um, just going out and talking to people and, you know, like giving them bus tokens and seeing if they need anything and then connecting them to resources and just like really getting to know people like like while they're out in the streets. Um, and that really lit something up for me. And I think that like a combination of my experience having a mentor and kind of not taking a traditional way uh, really influenced the way that I did um, want to do my work. And so I ended up going to school to be a social worker. And for the first like five or six years, I did a lot of eight years, maybe 10 years. I don't know. <laughs> Time flies. But I ended up doing a lot of work with youth. Um, and as I did that, it was a really good experience and I learned a lot. And then as I got a little bit older and a little further in my career, I started looking at more like macro work or community level work because it seems like when we when we just focus on like the, you know, the problem uh, and we don't or like the the symptom of the problem, like you see people that are homeless, you see youth that are like couch hopping and doing things that they don't necessarily want to do to be able to survive, uh, then I always ask myself, like, why? Why Why are we to the point where youth are in this situation? And so then I, I, I feel like we need to go further up the stream and we really need to understand, like, like what caused this in the first place. Uh, and that kind of led me to being on more boards and more, like, community level and macro level work uh, and really getting me connected with people that, that have the ability to uh, like make some changes and do things and make policies and, and build things that are actually helpful instead of just, um, you know, finding a bed for someone that's important. Right. But, uh, I think like the more important thing is that how do we get to a place in our society that we don't have people that need those beds? Uh, and so honestly, it's been just a, a series of fortunate events, I guess. Um, and a series of really like jumping in and being all in wherever I've been. And, you know, like that's not always worked out and it's not, not always been the, the most successful or like the most, like there's been a few jobs where I'm kind of like, wow, that didn't really, like I didn't really enjoy that work. I didn't really do well in that job. Uh, I didn't meet the expectations. I didn't, you know, meet my own expectations. Uh, but I learned a lot during that time. Uh, and I think it's it's all just kind of like goes 
it comes together in the end to kind of get you where you're going because you never know when those experiences are gonna help you and they have countless times i've been like oh i did this over here and i kind of understand how this works and so i think like a lot of times uh when I think of like the career development and where I want to be, I I kind of question like what what's going to be in five years, um, just for planning purposes, because you can't just like run through life without any sort of plan. But I'm also very open to like like figuring out where my passion is at that time, where the community need is at that time, um, kind of what my family needs at that time, and you know being able to to balance all those things to kind of know what the next direction is. And so like I've I've looked at several different master's programs in all kinds of different fields. Um, when I first got out of school as a social worker, I was like, oh, I should get my MSW and I can be a master's of social work student. Um, and I thought maybe I would be uh, doing like individual therapy or group therapy for like youth and adolescents, like the, the, like the bad kids, right? Like I really like working with the bad kids. That's that's my favorite. Um, and I don't really think they're bad kids, just so everyone knows. I just think that they're the quotation bad kids. Um, and those are my favorite. Uh, and so I thought like if I could do some individual work, therapeutic work with them, it would be really cool. Um, but as my, my career has gone on, I've, I've gotten more and more interested in community level work and changing those systems. And so, um, you know, I've looked at the MSWs, I've looked at the Masters of Public Health, I've looked at, you know, um, uh, even like, like, unrelated degrees, like a history degree, or like, you know, there's something, because uh, I love learning, I don't really love school all that much, but I really love learning and, and understanding things. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of in limbo, but I am also busy enough right now, in my, like, personal and professional life that I probably don't need to go back to school. Uh, and and I, I did end up getting accepted to the rural North Dakota leadership uh, cohort, um, class 10. And one of the things that I, I, I realized as I've been going through my career is that I end up showing up and being at the table, having conversations. And it's kind of put me in leadership roles. And I don't really like, I feel like, who am I to be a leader? Like, I'm just like some guy that stumbled through and went to college and you know I'm here now uh, and I feel like I don't necessarily have the skills to be a leader uh, and you know like I, I think part of being a leader is just doing what needs to be done in that moment and learning as you go and and trying to do that but I'm hoping that through this this program that I can learn some of the more concrete leadership skills as I go along uh, to just really understand how to be the best leader I can be in the spaces that I'm at uh, because I, I feel like, you know, like we can always learn and we can always grow. Uh, and me being a better leader or a good leader uh, can really help influence like the things that I'm involved in. And the things that I like to get involved in are usually around community change or like like helping out in some way or doing something like that. And so if I spend the time and invest in learning these things, it will help that work in the future and it'll help out the community in the future and help out um, whatever I'm doing. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever been in a situation where I was like, was like, man, I wish I didn't learn that thing. Um, so I, I try to take opportunities as they come and I'm really excited about this cohort. And I think that's a great segue into this next question is, is how do opportunities present themselves? Because I think one of those opportunities has led, um, us to cross paths with one another. And that's something I, I want to talk about in a little bit as well. But yeah, how have opportunities presented themselves to you over the years? 
I think one of the biggest things is just being present and looking a little bit deeper. Uh, like you can go every day through your nine to five and just do your work and just, you know, get the things done and, and finish your tasks. Uh, or you can kind of look deeper at what's going on around you and see where maybe there could be some changes or maybe where things are going well or um, really understanding like the things that are are involved in the work that you're doing. Um, and I'm not one who just like wants to punch a clock nine to five. Uh, I was telling I was telling Joe one time, uh, actually today, about a job where I was in a bindery and I uh, and I was like pulling papers off of a machine and stacking it on a pallet, uh, and that was not very fulfilling to me. There was like no higher purpose to that. It was just like like you have a job, you have a task, and you need to do that task um, efficiently and stack those pallets really nicely. Uh, and I had some a little bit of college credit under my belt from a community college. And so I was like, I had already gone to school a little bit, but it was like that, that moment I was like, well, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Like, this is not fulfilling to me. I want something more. I want something a little bit more fulfilling in my life. And, uh, and then I ended up going back to college. So it's just finding those opportunities. And I think like part of finding those opportunities is just letting myself be in those spaces and being open to them and not really like when something comes my way like I don't automatically say no um it's always like a, a maybe uh like that's where my mind goes like is this the next step is this the next thing is this something that can um you know is this something that relates to the work that we're already doing and could enhance it in some way or like maybe develop a new collaboration or um build uh, different skills. I'm a avid believer of like the one plus one equals three uh, mentality of like collaboration. So it's like me and one other person, like it's not one plus one equals two, like like their skill set and my skill set makes this thing. It's more like these skill sets together can make something unique and different. And so uh, just having a, a, I feel like I have an intense sense of uh, need to collaborate and to pull other people into different things that I'm doing and that, and ask for help from other people when they, you know, and, and be available for other people as well, because that helps build something that couldn't be possible just by ourselves. And you never know what that is until you, you explore it a little further. And so I think that's where most of the opportunities come from is just being open to, open to the, the collaboration and the opportunity and, not necessarily putting parameters around what that should be or could be and just letting it happen. So Fargo is like many communities across the U.S. where there is a Native American or indigenous population uh, within the metro area. And Fargo over the years has attempted to establish uh, a Native American center um, multiple times. I think the Indigenous Association is probably the third iteration of what that has been. And the process of us getting here has been a long one. And I, I wanted to sort of touch base on what the Indigenous Association is and your role within this organization. Because uh, how long have you been the interim director now? That's been about a year and a half now. About a year and a half, yeah. And I mean, I'm 
you know, there's there's been some very fine people that have been directors here um, at, at, from the onset on. Uh, but, you know, if I'm being um, very honest and straightforward here, there was not much traction, now, mostly because I think the, the organization was still trying to find its feet and figure out what it is. But it, uh, frankly, it wasn't until you had come into this role that we started to see movement within the space here. And so that was one of the reasons why I wanted you to have you on the podcast is because you're the person that's making things happen within this organization, within our community through this, through the, through IA. Um, but not to, to bury the lead, of course, uh, can you talk about what IA is and your space within, within this organization? I can do the, the, the thing where I just say like, Obviously, there's tons of people that have been involved in helping and like creating what this is today. And there's no way that there we would be where we're at right now without the collaboration and the partnerships that we've made in the community. Um, I I'm, I'm someone who doesn't like a lot of attention. You know, like I like to be in the background and try to like help build things. And then the people who really like the like being up front, like I'd, I'd like to put them um, up front. And someone pushed back on that one time and they said, well, for someone who doesn't like to be in the spotlight, you sure are on like the news a lot and like doing all these different things. And I'm like, well, when you care about something and you're passionate about something uh, and you get the opportunity to talk about it and like promote it and really um, just just be a champion for it, like you need to take it. Um, so it's not it's obviously not my favorite role to be in. It's like upfront and out there, but uh, it's also like necessary and you know you got to do it um but back to the 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 question is i think that the indigenous association so just a little background as it started um in uh, 2019 was like the initial like rumblings um and it was through the native american commission which is the first native american commission in the country honestly like there was they they were the first one to have a city commission that was specifically for the Native American community, um, which is really like like cutting edge for you know a place like Fargo. Like that's exciting, um, and so through their their time, they've been doing different things in the community, like a community picnic. Um, I think they did some. Oh, they had a couple other. I, I'm gonna miss. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna miss some of the things. But they they did a few things in the community where it was like event planning and organizing and things like that. And as a group, they decided they wanted to not be doing that that sort of planning and that that community level uh, work as a board because they don't necessarily have the the flexibility and, and uh, they don't have as many resources or the time dedicated to it. And they really cared about it and they wanted it to be done really well. And so they started. Uh, uh, they hired a contractor to kind of do a little bit of research about like what would it, what it would take to start a nonprofit. Um, an independent nonprofit, so so we're independent from the city of Fargo, uh, an, a nonprofit that's independent that can do sort of like the on the ground work and organizing uh, that the commission had previously been doing. And through that time, they gathered a, a founding board of uh, or founding group of board members, and I was I ended up getting on that that founding board, and then we did our articles of incorporation and mission and vision statement and all that fun stuff. Uh, and then I ended up getting on, uh, uh, getting elected as the the president or the chair of the board. Um, and again, like that's that's another one of those leadership roles that I didn't really expect to be in. Like it was just like like I saw a need, 
uh, everyone else was kind of like at capacity and they couldn't take on that role. And so I was like, well, let me just step up and I'll learn as I go. Um, and I had a lot of really great people around me to kind of teach me what that meant. Uh, and so then we started and we, we ended up, uh, you know, kind of figuring out what our vision and, and what the community needed based on a lot of the history. Being someone who's newer to the community, like I've been here for five years or so, uh, I thought it was really important. And it was really great that that contractor, that was Chelsea, um, that she was able to like really dig into what the history was in our community uh, around like Native American centers and efforts similar to this. So I got a crash course on like some of the the previous efforts and like some of the things that went well, some of the things that didn't go so well. Uh, and so we were able to kind of like move from there and and have that history to understand like what do we need to do moving forward so we're successful. A lot of times that the, I think the, the biggest struggle was that the other Native American centers, um, and, and this comes from, not from me because I wasn't here during that time, but it seemed from the conversations that one of the struggles is that there was a lot of crisis work that was being done at those those places, which is really important. And um, and I think it's it's great to have a space that people can come to to uh, really get resources and uh, kind of resolve some of the things going on in their lives. But I immediately saw that as like, like maybe that's where we need to to be different in this this effort. So we decided we weren't going to focus a lot on uh, like the crisis work uh, as an organization. We we're going to focus more on like like bringing cultural activities and um, knowledge bearers and like just people that that want to share things with the community in to teach people in the community, not necessarily as an intervention for any specific problem in the community, but more as like a, a intervention to make sure that culture and language and um, and all those things are available to people in an urban center. Um, we're a really diverse urban population. Like there's people from all over the country in Fargo, from tons of different tribal nations. Um, you know, we work pretty closely with folks from, you know, even like from the area, of course, like the the tribal nations in this region, but also like there's people from uh, out west, there's people from the southwest, there's people from um, south of the border, um, you know, who are indigenous as well. And so like it's a it's a like a pan Indian type situation. And so we don't focus necessarily on one specific tribe or language or culture. Um, we try to bring people in from all around to be able to like make sure people have opportunities to meet and learn from people that are uh, in their community. With my like my my biggest goal too is like not my biggest goal, but one of the goals is that people will connect with these with folks from their communities that maybe are in the Fargo Moorhead area uh, from their their uh, from their original communities like from their tribal communities from their home communities uh, and then they'll be able to learn those things uh, and really like like have that connection to uh, their home while they're here uh, and then also for the youth that maybe never had that connection, they have an opportunity to talk to someone who's really knowledgeable and someone who really knows their culture. Uh, like the pan Indian thing is not like, like we want to teach everyone how to like about all the different like traditions and cultures and, and all those things, languages. Like we don't want every single person to learn all those things. What we want is to make those connections. And that's, what's important. Uh, Cause through those connections, then they can go if they, 
Um, for example, like I, I think one of the reasons why this is so important to me is because I grew up not really knowing much about my culture and uh, I didn't have a lot of opportunities to learn that. Uh, there's like a history in my family and lots of other families where, you know, there's the residential boarding schools, like my, my grandma was in one. Um, and then my dad's attitude toward like Indian stuff, as he calls it, is like, like, oh, I don't really know much about that Indian stuff. You know, um, you know, he's in his sixties. I think he turned 70. He turned 70 this year, I think. Um, and so like, that's very much his generation. Like it was like, like, you don't need to worry about all that stuff. Just worry about getting your education and getting a job and making money and, and surviving. Um, and that legacy came down to me of like, like, yes, we're native American. Uh, I grew up, you know, I was born in the eighties. I was born in 84. So I grew up in the nineties and there was this like multicultural, you know, like current in the world, you know, you know, I always think of like the, the, you know, every color around a globe holding hands, you know, like type trope. Uh, and so there was like, uh, we were, we were kind of in the start of understanding what that meant as a society and how to do that. Well, the diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, stuff that is, what we do today, I think stems a lot from that. And so as I was learning, I was saying, well, I'm indigenous, I'm Anishinaabe, I'm, you know, Ojibwe, what does that mean? Uh, There's a very superficial, like, teachings or understanding of that. And what I I think it's like, why this, this organization means so much to me is that, that um, we want to give youth and other people a chance to connect to their culture and connect to those things in a deeper way. Uh, so as I was saying, like the like one of the things that I really enjoy about bringing people in is if that's someone from their home community or their home culture, like if they connect with them and they really like they want to learn more about some of the spiritual practices or some of the other things that like we're not equipped to teach here. Like that's not our culture. I'm not going to teach someone else's culture. I'm not going to teach someone else's ways or traditions. It's not my place to do that or our place as an organization. But it is a good way to bring people in who know those things and then also like give them that connection so they can really like like go further if they want to and so so it would be wonderful and lovely if people really were able to connect and then maybe start getting to some of the ceremonial practices that they never had a chance to participate in uh or even if like even if it's not like spiritual like on the like the the art side or the, the, you know, the craft side, like learn how to make moccasins or, um, you know, learn how to bead or learn those things that aren't readily available, uh, in our, our community. And so that was a long way to say like, like there's, there's a really personal connection to this, but there's also like a broader community connection. Cause I feel like as we connect as a community, we're stronger. And as we're stronger, then we're able to influence some of the the other systems around us, like social service systems, uh, local governments, regional governments, regional like institutions. And as we're we're influencing those things and and advocating to make those places more inclusive and and more more comfortable and safe for Indigenous people, um, our our community thrives. And so, long story short, in 2020. Uh, we were able to get a space here in the Plains Art Museum. Um, and I think that was partly due to you, Joe. So thank you. Um, it's a beautiful space in downtown Fargo. And we've held lots of events and lots of activities and classes. And um, it's just been wonderful. One of the things that we wanted to do is we wanted to make sure that we weren't in 
like just a church basement, right? Like a, you know, a leaky ceiling and a, you know, a soggy rug. And, you know, <clears throat> this is for the indigenous people, like, you know, so we can just put them in the basement and it's going to be okay. Uh, we were very intentional from the beginning. Like we want a space that's worthy of our community, a space that really shows that, um, that it matters that we're here. And it's, it's important that we have a space that's beautiful and functional and um, can be a good space for us to gather. Because um, I think like, that shows a lot about what you think of the people that you're working with. Like if you're working, like I'm a social worker. So if you're working at a social service agency and everything's just like junky, like I think going into a space like that, it's like, Oh, well they just think we're junky and this is what we deserve. And um, it changes the attitude. And so throughout this time we've, we've made lots of connections in the community. Um, and we've really just focused on ways that we can get, get, people in our community to come together and work on different things. A lot of the, the groups and activities and workshops have come and they've, they've, they've stemmed out of someone coming in the, from the community saying, Hey, I would really like to be a part of doing this. And, you know, they, they um, followed through and we had some resources, we had space. We sometimes have some grant funding to make some of the things happen. And so like, I think specifically about like the indigenous business association, where uh, Renee Ellis uh, came in and said, like, hey, I really want to learn or I really want to be a space, a really safe and comfortable space for indigenous business owners and people who want to start a business to come in and uh, build community and ask questions and um, and help figure out how to grow their business. Uh, and I thought that was a great idea. That's something we, we thought about, like, in the beginning is, like, it would be really cool to have that aspect in our organization and just, like, through through just, like, random chance probably not random chance but um we had someone come in and, and asked to to be a part of making that and so there's a lot of serendipitous like like connections that have really brought us to where we are we are now what would you want to say to the 18 or 22 year old that's listening to this conversation uh i i have lots of things to say to that age range uh I feel like that's a really pivotal moment in someone's life where they get to make a lot of decisions about uh, really important decisions about who they want to be and what they want to do. Uh, it's one of my favorite groups that I, I worked with. And so if we have all day, we could just, you know, sit and talk about all the things that, that um, they should know. And, um, and I feel like there's a, a lot of resources out there these days to be able to just kind of understand what that means. And so I'll try to be a little brief, but I might go a little bit longer in this one. Uh, I think one of the biggest things to know or for people in that age range to know is that um, life is very dynamic and things change very quickly. And uh, so like if there's there's a situation where you start pursuing something, an interest or some sort of educational route or um, trade school or a career in that time, uh, it doesn't mean that's what's, what you're going to be doing forever. When I went to school for the first time, I thought I was going to be an English teacher. And I decided I didn't really want to do that. And through just my life experience and uh, someone I, a mentor I had that was a social worker uh, in that job, she was really just like trying to like show me like, hey, you could be a social worker too. And I didn't really, like, I always liked helping people. And so it just made sense. And so it really, like, changed the trajectory of which way I was going. 
if I look back on it now, it was probably in that trajectory anyways, but uh, it just clarified some things. So that there's, there's like a, a big piece of advice. I know like when you're, you're younger, everything seems like it's going to be a certain way forever, but it's not. And those changes usually, even if they're, they're good or if they're bad, um, they usually help help you to become like who you are in your like later life and they're really pivotal moments i know i've in that age range like sometimes there's a urge to you know like just party and just get you know live it up and be young um and now i'm just gonna do my old man thing where like you know that's not everything uh you know and i understand like people just want to have those experiences and and do that but it's sometimes easy to get caught up in that uh and if you if that's your main focus in life, like it can very easily turn into your main focus in life for five years, 10 years, 20 years. Uh, so if you find yourself in the place where you're like, whoa, this is taking a lot of my time or with anything, um, if you see something that's taking a lot of your time and a lot of your energy, uh, that's where, you know, your your energy is going and that's where what you'll what will be important to you. And so just make sure you're making room and making what really is important to you a priority. I think one of the the biggest things to think about too is like like a lot of times your like the spark, something that will spark your interest or spark your excitement uh, is what you should be doing. And so like for example, like I've gotten the opportunity in my job to be able to be a part of like all kinds of different art workshops, sewing, um, beading, like all of these really cool things. And one, one class last year was a, a quill work class on birch bark. I went through that class. It was two days and I spent a lot of time on it. And for some reason, I don't know if it's the materials, the kind of the, the stories and the lessons we learned as we were learning how to use the materials or what, but the quill work just like sparked my interest. And after that class, I found myself just like wanting to do more and more and more of this quill work. Uh, and it's it's just amazing how like if you pursue those things, like they'll open up opportunities and they'll open up um, just kind of like what you should be doing. Not to like say you should or shouldn't be doing things. But so I, I just I, I think just like following that, like where your your brain and your heart and your passions and your energy um just gets really really like almost like like almost buzzing with that energy or that that interest is kind of where your pursuit should be and you know it doesn't mean like you'll be doing that thing forever but in that moment like that's where your your mind and your soul i guess you know your spirit just wants to go and so ignoring that uh could be really bad in your future for your happiness i met a lot of people who've done you know, like the, the did okay in, in high school, um, you know, knocked it out of the park in college, went to grad school and they're working their careers and they're just absolutely miserable. And I just, I just wonder sometimes when, when people are just in that, that position where they have the opportunity to do a lot of really cool things in that career, um, but they seem like they're just lifeless. I just wonder what their spark is, like what, what really drives them. And if you can find that in some way, like it's, it's really important to follow that. 
a couple couple more things. I'll try not to go on for forever about this, but uh, I feel like like another another thing I learned was at a, a big drum ceremony, and an older guy, an elder, came up and he spoke. And this this whole ceremony, like a lot of the really important things were in Ojibwe, and I don't understand a lot of Ojibwe. And but this guy stood up and he just said he said he told us a story, and I can't remember exactly what the story was. But the thing he said after that story was the the kind of the most important part of that story to me at least. And what he said is, this is how I learned, you do as you learn. And I think that's a really powerful message. It's like, it's saying like, I'm giving you what my elders and my teachers taught me, but if you learned it a different way, that's okay too. And it doesn't mean you have to do it that way. And so someone who hasn't had a lot of experience like learning those things from, from the older generations, um, I don't have a lot of those things that I've learned in a different way. So I was getting that that wisdom. But if there was something that I learned a different way from an elder that I trust, like like I, I it's like gives you permission to say like, yeah, that's that's okay too. And I feel like, again, like we have this this idea that we have to do everything perfect sometimes and like like everything has to be one way and if you're not doing it a certain way, um, you're doing it wrong. But I, I think there's like a really diverse, set of experiences that people have and different interests and different abilities people have. And so there's, it's okay to do things in different ways. And I feel like that encapsulates like what we do here as an organization, like we're a, you know, a pan Indian organization, you know, the quotation marks. So we get to work with people from all kinds of different tribes and people do things in a lot of different ways. Um, and so just keeping that mentality of like, like this might not be my way, this is someone else's way, and it's also important. There's lots of other advice that I could give here, but I just I feel like just following your passion and just being open to new experiences, and and just knowing that each time you engage in something and you learn about something, is setting you up for the future in some way. Um, if it's a good experience, it's like giving you maybe skills or um, understanding in ways that will help you in the future. Um, and you know, make it so you're, you you can do certain things. And if it's uh, and if it's a bad experience, then you learn from it. You can just say, well, I'm not going to do that again. That was pretty dumb. Um, and you know, I think anyone who's reflective and honest with themselves as they're older, uh, they they have a lot of those experiences, both those experiences of like, wow, that went really well, and wow, that was really dumb. And I think if you reflect on that and use that as like a uh, a, a way to learn and grow, um, it can be really helpful. But if you just try to avoid those experiences that might not be successful, uh, you find yourself not taking those risks and those challenges and learning the things that maybe you want to learn. Uh, so I think that that would be like one of the, the biggest things that I would tell someone in that age range, just like go for it. And just like, if you fail, you fail. Um, if you do well, you do well. And I feel like in, in my life, I've, I've been in a lot of situations and a lot of different, had a lot of different opportunities come my way. And a lot of times I take them because I don't know, I'm, I'm dumb. No, <laughs> I, I, really, I just, I just enjoy learning new things and doing new things. Um, but the things that I've learned along the way have just been so valuable. And so like, I, I think that you know, if you just keep yourself in a, a safe little bubble and you don't go outside of that, uh, you miss a lot of 
really potentially great relationships and skills and understandings and wisdom and knowledge. And um, so just take those, those chances. So what do you have going on right now? What's come, what's on the horizon for you? There's a lot going on. I think, uh, <clears throat> so I, I listen to your show a lot, Joe. I like your show a lot and people that I, I really respect. And I just, I, I really think are amazing people. Um, are doing a lot of great things and you they get to tell you about all those great things um, but you know I don't have any like I'm I'm not necessarily an artist or uh, I have any exhibitions or anything uh, the work that I do is, is community work and so I think the the things that are coming up for me are just putting my head down and trying to get a few more things started and organized at Indigenous Association so we can be an organization that lasts like you know, seven generations into the future like I want my my grandkids and my great grandkids to be able to say like hey like we're going to the indigenous association that was the thing that great grandpa helped build you know um, and it's not just like a legacy thing it's like because it's it will be important for the community to have the space to do you know to to be together with community in an urban area to learn skills to have access to culture and so a lot of my my work right now will be focused on just building those those things that will help make sure that indigenous association is a sustainable organization and is uh, continues to do things that are interesting and useful for the community uh and and there's a, a really good vision coming our way i feel like we're coming up to a next like not like level but like a next step in the development of the organization so there should be some really cool things in the next six months so just you know keep up on that and you know I have three-year-old twins and I have a nine-year-old and you know like things are are busy at home so we're just you know we just keep keep moving forward and keep working and keep building and uh yeah so just for people who are local right now we have our regalia making and our open craft night that is open on uh, Thursdays every week at Indigenous Association uh, and it's from six to eight sometimes nine depending on how you know into stuff people get um, sometimes we'll stick around a little bit later and so I just encourage anyone who's interested who has a, a, a craft or a hobby or they want to do art we have a beautiful space up here um, we have a beautiful community that that is here just to like work side by side there's no instruction or workshop activities during that time, um, but there's definitely people who have different skills. And sometimes if you're stuck on something, there's people that are more than willing to help, or there's people that are just willing to like look at what you're doing and ask questions and um, get really excited about seeing all the different things people are working on. Uh, so I really encourage that. And so if you, it's pr it'll probably be in the show notes, um, I'll, I'll Get you before you have to say it um but the website is indgns.org and the website uh has a calendar so you can see what's going on and then we also post on our facebook site which is just indigenous association on facebook uh and you can see what's going on uh stay caught up and you know reach out if you have any questions or if you have any ideas or uh if you just want to connect that's great. And yeah, you, you answered the, the next question is where people can find you at. So, you know, I, one of the, one of the, the, the stronger reasons too, that I wanted to have you on is you are a supporter of the arts. 
you know, um, well, you're not an artist per se, you're an administrator. And, you know, we, we share the same building. Um, and it's, there are times where it feels like IA is, is this partner or an extension of the Canada program with the amount of work that you, you, the artwork or programs that you put on here in the space there. And it's deeply appreciated. Um, many, not many, some of the artists that we have had in our program uh, have worked in this space, Penny uh, being one of them, who's done incredible work mm-hmm. in the space here. And by extension, uh, students from our Summer Art Institute um, have spent a lot of time in here doing the work as well. And uh, well, I, I hesitate to, to share their names, of course, on air. We know who they are, you mm-hmm. know, and a shout out to those, those uh, the Northern Plains Summer Art Institute students who spend time down here. And so it's, it's really great that the work that you do is so intertwined with the work that we do. But, you know, it's it's one of those things where um, I wanted to to capture your voice and your perspective um, on the season and during the podcast while the podcast is still happening, uh, because it's it's important to share your story and your perspective with with, with all that's happening here. And so I just want to thank you for your time and, and sharing that with us. Thank you for happy, having me. I uh, I'm, I really enjoy your podcast and enjoy hearing people's stories and like a little bit more about behind the things that we see. Because a lot of times in like art and music and different sort of industries like that or like like crafts like that, you see the finished product and you don't necessarily know what went into it. And so I, I feel like, and that's why like as an organization, we're really focused on art because art moves, media moves, like like music moves you. Um, and sometimes like it's really important to have people like that around that are able to move people in a way because it's it connects us to our humanity. And so I, I think anytime we're, we are able to have uh, artists or musicians or people in that that realm um, in our space, it, it makes it even more alive and it adds something to it that that we couldn't if we just ran programs, you know, talking about uh you know, health and wellness all the time. And we didn't have like the soul, like all that stuff is important, but I think it's all important in combination because um, we're whole people. We're not just people that care about one thing. We're people that care about many things. And so uh, I appreciate all your support throughout the last couple years, few years, uh, and just making it so easy to bring people in uh, and and do those things because I think it's been a really valuable experience for many people in our community to be able to get their hands on some art um, and to get their hands on making art and expressing themselves. All right, all right. Well, um, thank you, thank you, Miigwech. And that does it for this episode of Five Plain Questions. I want to thank Brandon again for sharing his time and story with us. The the community work that he does is not easy. The amount of time that is taken away from his family is is notable. Uh, not 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 because he wears it on his sleeve, but I see that he's in his office all hours of the day. <laughs> you know, when I get there, he's there. When I leave, he's still in there working, meeting with people, and really sacrificing his time to make the community of Fargo a better one, especially more inclusive for for the Native American and Indigenous communities. And it's it's definitely a wake-up call for me 
to see how many communities have people like Brandon doing the hard work, sacrificing their time for their community. And I just want to recognize that that work creates space for the rest of us to be able to do our work. Even though Brandon himself is not an artist per se, he creates spaces for artists to be able to to showcase their work, to be able to teach their work to community members and to share that knowledge with with others. And if it's not for people like him, like those who mentored me, that those opportunities wouldn't be there for, for us in the community. And so I just want to recognize that that work often goes unthanked and unrecognized. And I just I just want to make sure that as we are making names for ourselves and creating opportunities for others that we we look side by side to those administrators doing that hard work and we, we recognize what they're doing and appreciate what they're doing and support them because again that work is often thankless and <laughs> they uh, they have to rely on their own on their, their own skills to be able to create those opportunities and for, for all of us so Brennan I recognize what you're doing you're doing great stuff I look forward to the many years of work uh, that you're going to be creating, not just for the Fargo community, but for others as well. I also want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to what I think is a very important story and perspective from our community. So please, join us next time as we speak with another incredible person. I'm Joe Williams. You can find me on our Facebook page, our Instagram page, and across social media, and also at the plainsart.org website. There you can see our programming, our past videos, and these podcasts. Well, that's it. You take care, and we will see you next time. This has been an 11 Warrior Arts production.